Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and psychologist, Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say, and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes. There's a conspiracy out there. You hear what I'm saying? There's a conspiracy. A C-O-N-spiracy. <laughs> The great impasse has spoken! Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain! Who are you? Who are you? A very bad man! I'm a very good man. Good man. They think deep thoughts, and with no more brains than you have. Just a very bad wizard. Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm Tamler Summers from the University of Houston. Dave, Amy Coney Barrett was sworn in, and she's been a Supreme Court justice for a few weeks now. And I just have one question. Where is my handmaid? I thought I would have a handmaid by now. I know. I thought we were all team handmaid, and and I got like the the outfits fitted and ordered. And <laughs> just waiting. They're just gathering dust. What a waste of money! And I, I already had- sat down. Eliza was going to explain how that was going to work <laughs> to her. I have. I'm rehearsing a couple of things about how to talk to Jen about it. So I, you know, <laughs> and and it's okay because it's a woman who's bringing this about. Right, because it would, be, yeah. it would be sexist if not. I mean, that's the I, whole, right? Isn't that the point? Like, what's the point of her being a Supreme Court justice if we were not going to get our handmaids? Embarrassingly, dude, I had like three abortions scheduled and I canceled them just thinking, <laughs> well, you know, it's not, you weren't gonna not, I don't want to, you know how when you cancel too late, they charge you anyway? I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to avoid that because it's pretty sure. Right. It's and terrible. now it's like worst case scenario. You don't get the abortions or the handmaids. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> I can't believe you would say such a thing. Um, that was, um, uh, a a bit of a conspiracy actually that came from liberals who were concerned about her becoming a Supreme Court justice, as well as the process by which she she became a (laughs) Supreme Court justice. But, um, they, she apparently served in some Catholic charismatic group, if that makes sense. I don't know. Like I thought all Catholics were kind of boring. I, no, I don't think so. Catholics are the the fun ones. It's the Protestants that are the boring ones. <laughs> well, church isn't fun. They, maybe they find fun outside of church. <laughs> they do. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's something I remember from like in high school. They one of my history teachers said if like if you go to Europe, the good food is in the Catholic countries. The bad food is in the Protestant countries, and that's pretty much exactly right. Like, you know, like Italy, France, Spain, awesome food, England, Germany. Well, you know, Germany's split. You know, you have like the counter-reformation people. So, so maybe it's by geography there. But yeah, so apparently she was in one of these, like I, I, I came across that term charismatic. I don't know, but she served as a handmaid and people thought that that was like, you know, the handmaid's tale. Mm. By Margaret Atwood. But it turns out that there is no connection there. And, you know, shows just like. The clarity of thinking. That. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to talk about 
conspiracies in the second segment. We're pretty excited about this. The psychology of it, the science of it, the allure of conspiracy theorizing and the r- rationality of or not uh, irrationality of believing in them. Um, yeah, this is a case where we assigned ourselves a, a few readings, um, which we'll, as always, post in the show notes. But uh, yeah, I was actually... Looking for not that I don't always look forward to recording with you, Tamler, but but in this case, I was actually kind of excited about talking about the conspiracy, mainly because I I knew you were going to come with some like you know defense of some crazy shit. So I'm just ready. I'm prepared. <laughs> I, I, t- I took like a lorazepam. I'm not going to get mad at you. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to sit there and deny that Katy Perry is actually John Benet Ramsey grown up, then I. You know, I don't know what, like, I don't know what will convince you at this point. <laughs> the only reason I believe that is because of the chemtrails. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. No, yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, one of the problems with me is I think I'm prone to believe in conspiracy theories, but I, like, I haven't really gone deep into any of them. You're like a until, lazy, you're I'm like a lazy conspiratorial. <laughs> exactly. I'm like lazy. I'm too lazy, but I started to get into it just preparing for, for this. And that, I could see this being like a two part, uh, or, or maybe even just a, like a series, like, like a Borges, you know, like, could, yeah, it, it could very well be. I doubt that we'll ever do an episode again. That isn't about conspiracies. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Um, for the opening segment, we didn't do in our 200th episode um, much navel gazing. Um, you know, like it seems like if there's any if there's any excuse to kind of crawl up your own ass and talk about the kind of the, the podcast and how we feel about it and what it's meant to us and the challenges and the, the um, I don't know the, the benefits, glory, the glory, the, the glory, <laughs> the pussy, yeah. <laughs> But the, the, uh, it's, we figured we'd take that opportunity now since we didn't in the 200th. And I don't know, just talk about some of our listeners have asked us for advice. Um, people have asked us for advice about starting a podcast. I don't know, you know, like how good our suggestions will be on that, but we can at least talk about sort of what we do, why we love it, why we sometimes struggle. And yeah. Yeah. What is your favorite thing about doing this podcast, Dave? You know, I think about this a lot. And I think over the years, my motivation and the aspects that I enjoy shift around. But I think the one steady thing that, like upon reflection, that I always like about this podcast is that it makes me sort of, you know, in a pre-commitment sort of way, it makes me read things that I wouldn't normally have set aside the time to read. So in like a real selfish way, yeah. it has, I think, you know, a lot of people go into at least the kinds of academia that we like wanting to be broad and wanting to talk about a lot of ideas. And, you know, you quickly learn in a master's or PhD that the whole point of that is to squeeze the shit out of like that desire and like <laughs> narrow your interests. Right. Like and just this, suck the life and soul and <laughs> exactly. vitality out of, out of you. And then just show you the shards of your soul and like what you used to be interested in. Um, right. <clears throat> like, you know, I feel like it's a rite of passage to like in your fourth year read some paper you wrote when you were a junior in college and just feel so terrible about how. how yeah. like, um, I used so, to be like, like. Used I used to, have, to like things. <laughs> right. No, it is. It's like a recapturing of that spirit a little bit. You're right. Yeah. And I think, and then the aspect that comes, you know, that comes into play with our listeners is that 
I feel like we give some of them that excuse and we give them some of that feeling too. And a lot of people who just weren't able to pursue education to the degree that they wanted to just get to like hang around with us and think and talk about this stuff. And yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's probably, if there's one thing that keeps me going is like, I, I want to keep doing that. This is, yes. It's almost like teaching a seminar that you, every once in a while we get to teach seminars that we just came up with on our own, right? That are like just our babies. And this is like a seminar, like our yeah. baby. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like, I, I teach a lot of classes, especially now that I like where I'm going in pretty green into it. And that's, and I love doing that. It's because I'm learning something and learning it and, and having to teach it is a real, is a really good way of learning it. I totally yeah. agree. That's like my favorite thing, both selfishly because like it really does account for especially when we did we were doing brothers karamazov yeah. like it accounts for or karamazov it, it accounts for like probably 60 to 70 percent of my reading you know like this podcast i know i was just, i was just talking to my family and my mom was like do you still read as much as you used to and i was like not really you know like i, I left to my own devices i'll read as in i'm on reddit and twitter and right. stuff but but it's rare to take the time time and, and then i was like well no i do read because like, right. this afternoon, right? <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. spent a lot of time reading. Uh, yeah, so I love that. And I love providing that opportunity for others because I know that podcasts have done that for me. You know, like yeah. like those people you talk about who, who, who email us and say, you know, I never got to pursue, like I, I was interested in philosophy, I was interested in psychology, but then I never got to really pursue it. And your yeah. podcast gives us that opportunity. That's like me with like film, you know? Yeah. And that's what like film podcasts... Uh, provide to me is like a little window into, you know, being like feeling like, oh, I went to, you know, I went to school or I was just a little more rigorous in like my study of uh, cinema and directors and the process of making movies and all of that. Yeah. So the fact that we can do that for others is, is great because I know I value it. And I really, I, it is, it's, 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 it's one of the fun things about how the podcast <laughs> has evolved is that we have branched out in all sorts of yeah. ways. Yeah, and that sort of speaks to a challenge, which is that we've been doing it for eight years and coming up with like stuff that we haven't discussed can be a challenge. Some, for some reason, sometimes more than other times, maybe when we're busy, especially busy with the semester, a lot of the work just comes from actually trying to come up with topics that we have a shot at, at saying anything interesting about. Yeah. Uh, and that we haven't like kind of done to death right. um, before. But, the, yeah. you know, like then there's all these doors that have been opened, like the Borges episode or the Bible or like, yeah. I don't think we ever thought we would do an episode on Ecclesiastes yeah. when we and started when that, this podcast. Totally. And when that happens, it always like gives me this shot of like energy where I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, there is an untapped, there, here's an untapped thing that we'll, like we might be able to continue doing because we both enjoyed it. It's, yeah. yeah. And and it's funny because if I was giving advice to to other people for starting a podcast, I wouldn't sort of suggest that you have it be something that, you know, one day is about a movie, the other day is about like a couple of scientific papers yeah. or philosophy articles or and then another day it's Borges stories. Like, I think that only works if you've like once you're a little more established. Yeah. And there, that is, that is, you know, there's, there's something, I'm not quite sure what the advice is, but I've talked to, you know, like a few people who, who are up and coming podcasters, you know, sometimes you and I get invited to be on someone's, someone's podcast and they're just starting and they ask us for advice. 
And I often think, because a lot of these are just interview podcasts where it's one person bringing on a new person every week or every other week or whatever. And I often think that that's just super challenging because um, you're relying really on on drawing people to to your podcast based on the guest. And yeah. one of the things that you and I have been able to do that I think both allow us to venture into these other other kinds of of like domains is build a relationship with each other and with our audience such that they won't like they won't just dismiss the oh this week's about Ecclesiastes, then I'll skip it or whatever. They they will listen just because maybe they enjoy you and I talking to each other. And that's hard when it's just you and a brand new person every week. Yeah. And and the the other thing that's a challenge about that, and I think it's is that you are talking to someone often that you don't know, which yeah. is something we rare some we rarely do that. We right. don't have guests that often and when we do, we usually know them right. um so pretty well. But if you're doing an interview podcast, you're talking to people who you either don't know at all. And so like, and you have to establish chemistry like every time starting from scratch. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like the, there are, there are people who've come to me asking for advice, ideas about starting a podcast. Like we're writers and we're also new fathers or something. And I think that this is, that's something that's a lot harder these days than it was when we started out to just, we're, we're philosopher and psychologist and we're, right. you know, like, and we're friends and we're, you know, that's, I think that's something, I don't know if it's squeezed out, but I think you have to be really good and you have to have a lot of luck to get that going these days. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people maybe who, who have an audience, like I'm like, um, Jesse Single and, and Katie Herzog, like they've, they've developed a show, but they had an audience like, you know, as journalists. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's easier as, as as bigots, um, (laughs) um, and as Jews, but, but weird Jews and bigots. Is Um, Katie Herzog Jewish? I don't know, actually. (laughs) Uh, That's a good question. I just assumed because we like Jesse Singal, right? I I mean, I've never met him. No, no, I love them both actually. They're great. Um, uh, Having a more niche, uh, you know, there are subreddits about people who like, you know, foot, have foot fetishes, but only feet that are, you know, painted with black nail polish or something. Like there's, and there's thousands upon thousands of people, right? So, so you can find, if you're really passionate about something, which I think is the other piece of advice, you would, you should do a podcast only about something that you would love to talk about, even if no one were listening, because... Uh, <laughs> at first like yeah no one is <laughs> no one is no one yeah. is yeah yeah i mean we we really had like it took a while for anybody to listen and we used to get so excited if like we'd get an, an email or or but we enjoyed just doing it it yeah. was fun to do it was fun to edit it was fun to like the right. whole part the whole process I, there were like tech stuff that was a huge pain in the ass yeah. but like just because we kept fucking up you know a lot of people have asked for advice a lot of people have gone part of the way through the process maybe even putting out an episode maybe not getting that far i think the follow-through is the key and there's i remember although i think we talked about this i don't think you do but like i remember like at least six to nine months of just trying to figure out tech stuff recording episodes that just didn't work or the tech was bad or like and and scrapping that because i associate it with new orleans because i was in new orleans for a year when we were first doing it like i feel like a lot of 
that year we were trying to figure this out and then we only put out the first episode the following summer when we were in Costa Rica. So like it was it was tough early on, but then once we got into the swing of it, it was yeah, we could do it. And then, mm. you know, and then at that point it was less like we can't follow through and more like how are we going to deal with the fact that you know, we're, we we hate each other or that um, Yeah. By the way, yeah. I just looked up. We had talked about this. I have yeah. a Google Drive folder mm-hmm. that is that just says Bad Wizards Podcast. And it was last modified January 13th of 2012. But I have an e- earlier folder, September 19, 2011, where we I actually have two episodes called Bad Wizards Discussed Part 1 that, and Part 2. That's what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Like that's that's like that's <clears throat> like a, almost a year before we put out our first episode. Yeah. So so we I think got some weird benefit of having these challenges like tech and whatever um where we actually kind of rehearsed a number of times before mm-hmm. our actual episode came out. And that's hard to do on purpose. It's hard to record something thinking you're not going to put it out. Mm-hmm. But I actually think if you can that's good advice. To, Absolutely. Yeah. It yeah. takes some patience, but the follow through, what you said is that that's key. Like that's the, the biggest piece of advice I have for people who, who have already gotten to the point where they're putting out a podcast is put it out regularly because yeah. it, that's how you build an audience. Like if people don't, you know, there are people who already have this ginormous audience who don't need to do that. But, but when you're building your audience, having that regular podcast appearing in somebody's, uh, you know, whatever app of choice is, is so critical. And, and it was so critical for us too, because it just, I, I remember we got an email from somebody. It's not something that we were doing at first. I think if you look at our first, whatever number of episodes, it, they would come out somewhat haphazardly every yeah. two or three weeks. It, it, and like the day was different. And somebody said to us on over email, like, I know that with podcasts, I like to just know the day you associate that podcast with that day yeah. of the week. And even if it's not every week, it can be every two weeks, it can be every three weeks, but that day is your podcast. And we that was that a great, that, I remember that email like that. Yeah. That was a great piece of advice. And I just think we didn't think about it. We were like, well, no. you know, whatever. <clears throat> we'll just put it out. Like, yeah. why would it matter? Uh, but it was both good, I think, in terms of of associating our podcast with Tuesday and then also just um, us knowing, especially. And then I think you and I made the decision at a certain point to just do it every two weeks. And that was actually like such a huge, because without that, we had had to default to like, we're not doing it. We have to make the decision to do it. And now if we go like we are for this episode, a third week, that's like, that's the exception. That's the thing that has to be justified and defended and, and, and not the other way. And I don't think we've gone, you know, we've not gone more than three weeks. Right? I don't think ever. Yeah. Ever since I mean, we started doing the, the two weeks. Yeah. We, we've either yeah. done two weeks or three weeks and it's usually every two weeks. Um, you know, the one, the one other challenge that I was thinking about that, <clears throat> I don't know if you feel this way, but one of the hardest things for me just psychologically is, I don't know, I feel sort of vulnerable <laughs> saying it is Knowing that for every single thing that we discuss, there are people who know a lot more about it. Yeah. And, and you miss that because until we talk about something that you know really well, um, it might just sound fine. But the minute we get to something that you know really well, we might sound just super ignorant. 
And yeah. and that it worries me because look, putting out a podcast episode every two weeks about various topics, just me and with regular jobs on top of that, just means that there is no way that like I can compare to somebody who studies conspiracy theories for a living, right? Or whatever. And and I know that some of the things I say might be wrong or simplistic or mischaracterizing. That's kind of what worries me sometimes too. Yeah. Mischaracterizing entire fields. Or and and speaking with uh, the kind of confidence that you kind of need to speak with, or else it would be boring. You know, you've right. <laughs> you've you've seen me hedge. That doesn't make for good podcasts. No, hedging <laughs> is terrible for podcasts. <laughs> and so, so knowing that, like, it always brings me, you know, the the positive way to describe it is humility. But I don't like using that term. It's more like a fear that I'm disappointing somebody who really knows. Yeah, because it's very frustrating to listen to people talk about something that you know a lot, of, like yeah. you, you know a lot about, and hearing them mischaracterize it, or and it's especially, and it's even more frustrating when they talk like contemptuously or scornfully of that right. thing, like we sometimes do. I'll give you a concrete example. Like I felt that way about the the sideways music paper because I like don't know that much about the metaphysics of time. And I don't know, like, I don't, in terms of the interpretation of Einstein, I know that a lot of people have reacted to that. Now I gun to my head, I think we're right. And that's (laughs) completely ridiculous, uh, paper. (laughs) And certainly it, it didn't do anything to sort of, you know, build confidence that it wasn't ridiculous, but I, I definitely in the back of my mind thought we could be just, like ripping on like just ridiculing a paper and and it's just based on some kind of misconception that we don't like that we don't know or get right right like a like a super basic one yeah and that's sort of it's it's risky and i have to say the people who are our listeners who have gone out of their way to email us are always like super nice about stuff and you know and we've gotten like gentle correction about something or you know you're just straightforward correction but not malicious in any way um, Reddit sometimes not so kind, um, <laughs> not as kind, you know, but that's but, fair enough. But that's fair, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, and, and so, so it's, I don't know what I'm communicating other than that it feels risky sometimes and I don't want to be irresponsible, like right. epistemologically, if that makes sense. Like, I, I don't, don't want to be like those neuroscientists who say like, here's what free will is and right. here's what, why it doesn't exist, yeah. obviously, because like, I don't want to be like the... That that really annoying person who just talks about like compatibilism without understanding it and <laughs> uh, and just dismisses it just contemptuously. Right. I don't want to. At the same time, like I do think you have to take that risk because yeah. otherwise it would be really boring, boring and yeah. we just do write academic. We go back to writing just academic papers that are <laughs> On full of hand. those qualifications. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. No. Yeah. That's. Uh, it's funny. Somebody I think on on some Reddit thread somebody said um they were expressing kind of frustration with us and they said you know when the, when they referring to you and me are in their wheelhouse like when they're talking about something that they they're they know it's fine but when they venture out into stuff they don't know then like they can be terrible and my initial reaction was you mean episode six and on <laughs> like right exactly like <laughs> our wheelhouse talk- is exhaust <laughs> my yeah my wheelhouse is such a narrow specific set of things that i feel comfortable being an expert on like the kind of stuff that if a reporter wanted to talk to me about that i you know i would talk to them about but there is very little uh in in our just every every week recording <laughs> that i'm an expert in 
Yeah, I mean, we really did. Like, we did, uh, yeah, six, seven. Like, that was some of your stuff. We did the free will stuff, mm-hmm. uh, like, in the first 10 episodes. And, yeah, we've come back to those topics. We've come back to some of the stuff on disgust and on free will, certainly, um, over the episodes. But we can't keep doing that. Um, no, it wouldn't you know be fun for fun. us anymore. It, that's like, exactly yeah. right. It, it would stop being fun. Like, I, I talk about... You know, it's been like 12, 13 years that I've been giving talks on disgust like a gajillion times and talking to people about it. And I don't want to talk. You know, I don't even to do it like talks. Like I'm so sick of it. Like I don't, I don't write about it and I don't talk, like I don't give talks on it anymore. Like I really feel like I've said what I had to say about those. That's why this is, this is like, and I've said this before, this, this podcast is like a respite, mental respite where I still get to do intellectual things, you know put the intellectual in quotes if you're going to be an ass yeah, um, but asshole. but not <laughs> but not not stuff that is work because the minute the minute this feels too much like work and not to say it's not work and it does it certainly feels it's like work it's a days. lot of work yeah. yeah it's a ton of work but we and we agreed about this a long time ago the, the minute it stops being fun then we yeah. should stop doing it we do you, have you had this cuz i have i'm just going to i don't think i've ever told you what i'm about to say right now but um there have been times where i've said like to Jen or to like my brother or something like, uh, I'm, qu- I'm quitting. Like I can't, I'm not doing this anymore just cause there's like a big thing of like editing that's done <laughs> yeah. or we're going through one of our things or like there have been times where I said I'm quitting it. Now I haven't been a hundred percent sincere about it, but I have, so, and it's almost like they know that that's not true, <laughs> yeah. that there's just something that's frustrating me or there's like, you know, there's just this four hour raw audio of, of us talking with, or with <laughs> or Paul Bloom or something or like, yeah, it can be daunting. Um, uh, you know, it's funny. I think just, just as a, as a feature of our personality, like I don't, you know, I don't yell out impulsive things like that. Um, because I, I don't put it, I don't put negative energy out into the universe like you do. <laughs> but if you're asking me, I have put I it had, out so that it's not in me anymore. Yeah, um, I've, of course I've thought that. Um, but I've also, I've also thought in, in a more rational, cool, like cooler fashion, how much more do we have in us? You know, like I've thought like, what is, what, what will be the end of this podcast? What, like, what will that look like? Yeah, and there are definitely podcasts that I listen to or used to that just stop stop being good, and so I've stopped. Now, sometimes those ones get like new listeners, and so like there's kind of podcasts that you can kind of that you like for two or three years, and we may definitely be one of these where it's like okay, but enough. Like I get their shtick; they're going to make jokes about (laughs) porn and talk about like psychology and philosophy, Uh, uh, and so maybe you'll get sick of it after a while, but then. Here's something. So I had this thought too, because um, I've stopped having the I'm going to quit them. It now almost doesn't seem possible. It just <laughs> seems just inevitable, like necessary. It feels like a, like uh, and like Aeneas and like my our destiny is to do this podcast and like it's pronounced ones. anus. It's pre- <laughs> <laughs> That's what they keep coming back for. <laughs> so, so, uh, but like I saw the South Park pandemic special. Did you see that? Mm-mm. And so now, of course, they've been doing their show since 97 and it maintained like I would say a high level of quality for a long time, like longer than The Simpsons, longer than uh, almost any show really um, that I'm aware of. And it's and, you know, that is very much 
the brainchild of two and especially Trey Parker, but the brainchild of two people, they have like a kind of makeshift writer's room, but it seems like it's mostly them. And then the pandemic special was just lame. It was just there. It was like their shtick was tired. It was exhausted. It was done. It was played out. And I, and I remember I was watching it with Belize and Jen and, you know, we kind of all were like, yeah, yeah, you know, there were a couple, there were a few funny things. There's definitely not, they're never not going to be funny at all, but it's like, it just felt played out in a way that I, you know, worry that that could happen to yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be Michael Jackson wearing the 45. Like, I mean, Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan wearing the 45. Like, I, but how would we know? Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I kind <laughs> of think they might know. Um, but I don't know if they do, right? Like, did they put out the pandemic special and think we still got it? Uh, or did they, um, or were they, are they kind of, you know, it's not, it's, it's a little, it's, you can't make too big a deal out of, no, like, that's what I was going to say. Like, we've had bad episodes. We've had episodes. <laughs> if that there's a that one thing, yeah, if there's one thing that, uh, that, that I have learned is to be patient with creators because like there are going to be bad episodes there are like, you know, like worse episodes there, there's. They need to find their Borges. Find your Borges, Trey Parker. <laughs> that's right. Uh, no, I mean, I think that's the thing is like we get these new little bursts of like energy, like you said earlier, like when we do Ecclesiastes or Borges or, all, you know, for me, definitely some movie episodes have right. were that um, earlier on. And all right. Um, I'm kind of making like, I don't know. I feel like I'm like I'm throwing up in my mouth just hearing us right now. So should we? Wrap yeah, this up. Anything else to say? Oh, I, let, I always do this when we should end. And I'm like, well, but one last thing. Because um, one of the things that I think has benefited us behind the scenes wise is we just have different like interests and skill sets in a yeah. way that was weirdly complimentary. Like, and that was not something that was, that was just lucky. We, when I first approached you to do it i thought it was just because we had similar senses of humor right. and we're from two complementary fields and it would just be fun i didn't realize that you could do music and um like and and that you like knew all about the tech stuff which i knew nothing about and yeah no know, that's true that's totally true and we helped like we we that's right we uh, i never the, would have done a movie episode like as you hear me bitch all the time and it's joking but it's like i wouldn't have ever not only done a movie episode, but watched movies in the way that you watch in order to talk about them. I, but I mean, like, I'm even talking more about just the nuts and bolts of producing the podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, the that's what I mean. <laughs> right. I can clean the audio and Tamla can edit the shit out of it. By the way, you really have a, a career as an editor if you ever want to just... Uh, <laughs> When Quit I get, your day when I get job. Fired, canceled. <laughs> Tamler, I don't. The audience can't possibly know, uh, but but you know, like the the hours and the magic that you sometimes do to rearrange our shit to make more sense than it did. <laughs> and you, but you grew into that though. Like that was not a skill set you came with. This is something that like you've developed. Like this is a latent talent in you that that you never would have known was there. Right. It's not yeah. like I did audio editing. It came like I think I was. I kind of had an intuitive sense for how to do it, but it definitely, um, but you know, what I never could have done is any of the tech stuff. I never could have done any of the like music, which is still yeah. awesome. Like, thank you. Um, the, yeah, that makes me, that makes me feel that like, I still love listening to the opening music. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, your that song. 
you did like one night. I remember like you yeah. did it overnight when I was like, and you said it was like a birthday present. Cause I think it was, that was oh, right yeah. around when we were going to put it out the first episode and you go here, I did this. Yeah. And I remember listening to it. And I was like, holy fucking shit. And I played it for Jen and Eliza. And that was awesome. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah, no, I like we've, and we've, it, what's funny is we fell into the roles as well yeah. where I was also good. And it, part of it does help that I love tech stuff. And so like any excuse to talk about stuff, tech stuff was good. Does editing scratch an artistic itch in you? Definitely. Yeah. 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 I mean, and also that kind of writing itch. Cause you I have like a patience for that shit. Like you write long books, like yeah. good. Like I, I am, I don't know how. Sometimes I'm like, I would just. But I hate, I don't like writing. I like editing, right? My yeah. writing. Like, that's the thing. I've always liked that. Uh, I hate the actual putting the thing down at first that I, I'm, I really struggle with. But the editing of it, I really enjoy. And like, just the shaping of it, the sculpting of it. And so, like, I like that part. But yeah, I think there's also, it's like an artistic itch that. Yeah, because you really are creating something. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, some need more than others, but... Uh, <laughs> like this intro. <laughs> yeah, this intro. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, um, we should stop sucking each other's dicks. <laughs> we should stop sucking our own dicks and get back to Conspiracy. what makes this show run, which is us talking out of our ass about <laughs> things we don't understand. Hmm. Uh, so we will be right back to talk about conspiracy theories. This episode of Very Bad Wizards is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus. Uh, Tamler, I don't know how you've been coping with these, these times, but one of the things that I've really come to enjoy is just going on walks, you know, like with people, but also just alone with my dog. Do you, do you do that? I do. So one of the things that I actually really enjoy about the private walks, so the walks with my dog, is listening to, to something. And it's great if that listening can be in some way educational or edifying. And The Great Courses Plus has been one of the things that I listen to that actually really makes me feel good. And I think if you're a listener to Very Bad Wizards, um, I I'm really want to recommend this uh, class that I found on Great Courses Plus called Sci-Fi, but the Fi is spelled P-H-I. It's Science Fiction as Philosophy. It's a professor from University of Oklahoma named David Johnson. Every episode covers some aspect of philosophy through the lens of a, a work of science fiction. And so the first lecture is on the movie Inception. And he focuses on how to interpret art, like the philosophy of interpreting art. Like, should we, you know, or should we take the intentions of the author to be primary or should we take the large, broader context? And he actually put, puts forward a theory about what happened during Inception that I'm, I had to say I hadn't really thought about. There's episodes on The Matrix, on Star Trek, which I'm, I haven't gotten to, I'm really looking forward to, Doctor Who in Time, uh, Westworld and Artificial Intelligence. So um, I, I really recommend it. One of the things that I love about The Great Courses is their app is available wherever you want. It's on Apple TV or the App Store, Google Play. You can get it even on your Roku or Amazon. Everything you can think of to listen it, to it on, um, it's available. The production value of these things is really good. I don't know if I can emphasize that enough. They team up with a bunch of different partners to produce just great content. And now The Great Courses, Courses Plus even has gift subscriptions. So it's a perfect present, I think, for, for people who you think might like this, like people who listen to lots of podcasts. 
So with the holidays approaching, you can give this gift of learning from the Great Courses Plus, and you can do so by going to our special URL that they've made for us, thegreatcoursesplus.com slash wizards. You can sign up for a 14-day free trial to try everything yourself. So don't wait, just go over to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash wizards. And I, I'm serious, you won't regret it. Thank you very much, The Great Courses Plus, for sponsoring this episode of Very Bad Wizards. Dark gets down, rip sand, with the six down, piss down, late round, get off my dick now, get down. Rip Sam with the six down, pissed out, late round, get off my dick now, get crap, hot down, you kids die sound, timid, scared to get in it, these dogs is rock cloud, unchained, untamed, you know my name, act strange, pack flame, it's not a game, just ill flows that kill shows you can feel yo, kicking in your dough like a steel dough, for real dough, y'all gon' learn this big jump, when you come short on big worm, you get burned, punks don't get turned, they get done, and get sun, and get some, the last victim lie in a ditch, now who wanna fuck with hot neck, niggas chew gum, with they ass and pop shit Me and Bunk Doc get toxic A bowl of rice and some chopsticks Don't make your woo just impossible Welcome back to Very Bad Wizards This is the time where we love to thank all of our listeners who get in touch with us in all the various different ways that you do. I think you heard in the first segment how important that has been to us, both kind of psychologically, but also just in terms of tips for the podcast, like telling us to put it out on a specific day during the week. Like it's, it's really kind of remarkable all the different ways in which our listeners have helped make this podcast you know, at the level of quality that it is, whatever quality, whatever level <laughs> whatever of quality, quality <laughs> you think that is exactly. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us verybadwizards at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at Tamler at peas at very bad wizards. You can follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, um, rate us on Apple podcasts, subscribe to us on Spotify, join the subreddit, um, where there's always fun, interesting, uh, at times Sam Harris related discussion. Yeah. Like right now. I just saw that he resigned from the intellectual dark web. I don't know if that's true because I didn't listen to where that's coming from. But who, who uh, do you submit your resignation letter to on that one? I guess it's probably one of the Weinsteins, <laughs> yeah. right? Like who else? Maybe, uh, what's her name at Quillette? Uh, Claire uh, Lehman. Claire, Claire Lehman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much. We really enjoy interacting with you, even when you're critical, as you might be after this episode. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yes, thank you so much. Thank you. If you want to support us in more tangible ways, we really appreciate that. I mean, it's it's Thanksgiving, you know, if you want to thank us <laughs> at all for the work that we've done, um, you can go to our uh, verybadwizards.com and click on support. And there you'll find the various ways that you can support us. And we really, really appreciate it. Um, you can either be uh, just click on the PayPal link and give us a one time or recurring donation on PayPal. Um, you can uh, support us on Patreon and be part of that community, which I, I think really is a community. It's a it's a 
a collective of listeners that we've come to appreciate quite a bit. We just recently put out a um, our post-election thoughts and ramblings and musings for our Patreon supporters. And hopefully we're going to do an episode soon on one or more episodes of Atlanta, the TV show. Also, for our $5 and up listeners, you will have direct access to our Brothers Karamazov. Everyone can get it by just going to the Himalaya app and getting it a la carte for $5 or joining um, their service. And if you, I think you can still get, um, for our Patreon, can still get extra long free trial for our service. But everyone can get uh, a week trial. But you can also buy it a la carte for $5, all five episodes. But if you want it delivered straight to your podcast app of choice, you can get it by being a $5 and up per episode patron. And all those episodes are available to you on the private RSS stream. That's right. And the last thing I'll say is uh, we have T-shirts and sweatshirts and hoodies. And uh, I was just recently wearing our Very Bad Wizards t-shirt with the awesome art. And um, I'm sorry, the sweatshirt I put on because it's getting cold out here. And the sweatshirt is soft. It's so soft. If you like that softness, go ahead and uh, support us by uh, clicking on that button under merchandise. And um, take, that will take you to the Cotton Bureau uh, website where you can buy shirts and hoodies. So thank you, everybody, for all your support. Um, We really, really appreciate it. Yes, and all patrons get ad-free episodes as well. That's right. We always forget to say that. but All right, should we get back to the show? Let's get back to it. All right, welcome back to Very Bad Wizards. We are about to dive into conspiracy theories. Like I said, I I don't want us to feel pressure like we have to cover everything because I think we could come back to this topic. This could be our new Borges my thinking was we'd go, you know, conspiracy theory by conspiracy theory and lay out all the evidence for and against. <laughs> Give our credences for each one of them, like like eight, nine, or ten, most of them for me. But uh, actually, since I'm the philosopher um, and all I care about is conceptual analysis and defining terms, should we talk about like how we understand what a conspiracy theory is and what separates it from... There are a few things that, like, I think, at least in the common usage, distinguish a conspiracy theory from just, say, believing that somebody's lied, somebody in authority has lied about something, for instance. So, um, uh, and we can, we can even, so we, we read three articles and we'll put links to each of them. So the evolutionary article, uh, says, a common definition of a conspiracy theory is the conviction that a group of actors meets in secret agreement with the purpose of attaining some malevolent goal. So this hits on at least to me what matters is like a group of people um, right. who have some common goal and who are keeping it secret and who have some sort of power over like large groups of people. So take, suppose that that Lee Harvey Oswald didn't kill JFK, but that it was just some guy named, you know, Joe and Joe killed JFK and the government lied to us about it, but for no reason other than they didn't want us to know that it was that particular guy. Maybe like he had powerful relatives or something. Um, I think that might be a lie and a cover up, but I wouldn't call that a conspiracy theory yet. It would have to be 
some deeper reason as to why they were lying about that that would, I think, start to qualify. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Like, cover-ups are different than conspiracy right. theory. It wasn't a conspiracy when Bill Clinton said, I did not have sex mm -hmm. with that woman. It wasn't um, a conspiracy. You know, like, a lot of the things that Trump does aren't conspiracies because they're just not organized, really. Right. They're kind of off the cuff. Do you think, because in, in, in their original definition, the malevolent goal... Um, do you think that that's necessary, like for conspiracy theories, that they, it actually has to be something that is intending ill on at least some group? Because right. I'm not sure I do. I, I, I do. I'm not uh, sure I do either because um, I get why they're adding that because there's a way in which we use conspiracy theory to mean, and we'll get into this, I assume, later, to mean irrational, unlikely to be believed, and harming people. And yeah. I think that that, but I don't think that there's anything in the notion of conspiracy theory that means like you could have, the government could be like putting antidepressants in our, in our fluoride to make us all happier. Right. And that would still be a conspiracy. I think it would still be a conspiracy. Right. I, even if I didn't believe that it was harming me. I think this is how I feel about some conspiracy theories is it's probably for the best, right? Like that I don't know about it, uh, <laughs> you know, because, and it's, but, but I think this is partly like our group of people where we are people who feel more secure. We are people who feel um, a little less threatened by the external world. We're lucky, we're privileged, right. but maybe in terms of just the psychology of them, the malevolence is what drives you to, into the like deeper recesses of of believing it or not. I mean, certainly most conspiracy theories are malevolent that yeah. I'm familiar with. Um, like you know, whatever the conspiracy theories are of JFK, the CIA did it. Like they had their reasons for doing it that were not for the good of the country. Um, they were right. probably for the good of the CIA. Yeah, and I think that they're often used to explain bad shit that's happening. So right. just just by that, just because of that. We're looking for it to kind of tell us why life is fucked up or why, you know, I'm having these symptoms or whatever. Um, they're often, and there is something to lying about something, no matter that, what, that you might take right. as malevolent. Because you're a Kantian. <laughs> That's right. Do you feel like now everybody is worried about conspiracies, QAnon being like the latest trendy one, but people are just worried about conspiracy theorizing and just how hard it is to have the kind of the same reality or the same truth um, to people of all different sides of the political spectrum, maybe the religious spectrum. Do you think it's worse now than it has been in the past? Yeah, I don't. That's such a hard question for me because on the one hand, like much more of my time is spent worrying about people who believe in conspiracy theories. But that, again, as some of the articles point out, like that could just be because I know about them, right? So like just right. the internet does that, right? I, I don't know. I do, I, it's hard to get, to get evidence for this, but I remember as a kid having friends who were like super into conspiracy theories. So it doesn't seem to me, like it's perfectly plausible to me that it hasn't gone up. 
Yeah. Yeah. And especially like that it's not greater now than maybe in the early seventies when like there was some seriously shady shit going on, no matter like who you are. Like, I don't know if the, were there Michael Shermer's at the, you know, in the seventies saying, actually, no, it's like, no, these, these, there's something really fucked up about what's going on in the American (laughs) government over the, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, so maybe it's not worse than, it does feel like it's worse than at any time in my like, uh, adult lifetime or even like kid lifetime. Um, and, and, but I think partly, so partly that just could be cause I know about it, like you said, but the internet plausibly makes them yeah. easier to spread, makes them easier for people to, uh, congregate, like, uh, for communities to grow. I mean, the QAnon thing is, is yeah. an, is something that would have been hard probably to generate to enough momentum pre-internet. Yeah. Do you know anybody on um, like your social media who who believes that shit? QAnon. I don't yeah. know anyone like. No, I don't know any. Like, I don't know any QAnon like people who would go to rallies, save the children rallies, right. or anything like that. But who like I posts think, stuff about like, like I don't know. I have like one or two people who post stuff about like the global pedophile rings. And, well, so here's the thing, I and mean, we can get into it now, or we can get into it later. Like. You know, there was Jeffrey Epstein. There are these sex trafficking organizations. Sex trafficking goes on. It happens. And this is the thing that conspiracy theories often do is they're putting their finger on something. I mean, QAnon focuses a lot on Hollywood. Hollywood is... Uh, and all and has been really since it was the center of making movies like it there's some shady shit that goes on with kids and sex like yeah. that and and so you know like i there are people who are who are rightly concerned about that but maybe then who think who take it too far and and you know think that tom hanks has like a basement full of 12 year olds <laughs> yeah so there boys and girls. so there is another so there comes a feature of conspiracy theories that I don't know if it's necessary for the definition and certainly at least the philosophy article doesn't think so that we read but their um their their claims are almost tailor made to be unfalsifiable and evidence in one direction and evidence in the other direction are both taken as evidence of the conspiracy so like if you deny it then that means that you're part you're dumb or you're part of the conspiracy or if like so that wasn't the point that I was making at all. My point is that that, that it's actually tapping into something real. Uh, yeah, no, 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 I know. I was just adding because that, like, you can believe all that. So that's why I think you can believe that um, there is uh, sex traffic and it doesn't quite count as a, a conspiracy theory yet. Like, right. I would have to add layers of connectedness. Like, right. to me, a conspiracy theory, you need, you know, Charlie Day's uh, yarn to connect something to like it can't just be that there is sex trafficking it has to be that sex trafficking is corrected connected to like the right. trilateral commission to like the you know the yeah. jews and the <laughs> yeah right and to hillary clinton and a pizza place and yeah. um yeah and all the things that's what makes it no you're right and then of course this is what any conspiracy theory does well is it immunizes itself from like evidence that to the contrary because mm-hmm. 
you know, like, oh, but the New York Times said that blah, blah, blah. Well, of course the New York right. Times said that. They're infiltrated. <laughs> they're like implicated in it. They're part of it. They might be at the center of it. I, I don't know if that's part of the definition of it, but that seems like a, how they are successful. Yeah. You know, like that they, they really can't be shown to be false. And if you start to believe it, you it's going to be very hard to persuade you otherwise, like especially with something like the Kennedy assassination, the Warren commission. Are you going to believe them? Like, <laughs> yeah. no, right? right. Like, of course not. So, um, who, how are you possibly going to think if you feel like you have some independent reason to believe that this wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald, that he was a patsy and that this was part of, you know, the CIA and possibly, uh, the mafia, like every journalist, you know, mainstream journalistic source and every mainstream like government source certainly is not going to convince you that that didn't happen. They, they can't. Like it's like by yeah. definition, that's like impossible because they were part of it. Yeah. No, anything that you can think of that would be evidence against a particular theory can be explained away. And that's what makes them like just so frustrating. Um, and that's what I really think distinguishes the way we use the term in the, in the normatively bad sense from just believing that there is like COINTELPRO was a conspiracy. Like it just was right. right? But we have evidence for it. Um, it would be, if you just simply continue to believe something with zero evidence and a lot of evidence against it, that's when it takes on the flavor of the way that I use it. Pejoratively. So, yeah. so, but here's the problem with that. Um, is that I think there are some conspiracies that would really be hard to falsify because they have taken over sources of information or at least mainstream sources of information. So there will be evidence for them, whatever the evidence is for them. Like there was evidence that Oswald didn't shoot him. Like there was like, you know, maybe multiple angles of the bullet and all of that. Um, so it's not like there was no evidence for them, but it's just that the evidence against it is like, how, like, how are you supposed to trust that? Um, because of the way it is, unlike say something like QAnon, where like there would be, you would think that you could find if this was really happening at the level, like there would be, um, you, there are sources you could trust that have no real stake in child sex trafficking that would to tell you that it's, this isn't really happening. But I guess my point is like when, and especially with the government ones, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, just the fact that it's unfalsifiable doesn't make it false. Um, and, and that's the genius of them, you know? Yeah. I like, so I have a, um, I think, uh, a different take, like I genuinely believe, and this is when you were saying like, how do you shake someone out of conspiratorial beliefs like this? I genuinely have a belief that there is a um, low probability that a government conspiracy, even like a like a serious one, could be kept secret the way that conspiracy theorists seem to believe. I got, and this is the one thing that shook me from uh, from my kind of mild tendency to at least like and dabble in in shit about like secret societies. I yeah. used to like read books on Freemasons. I think partly because of my religious upbringing, there was all kinds of like the Protestants who believe that Catholics are going to take over the world. And there was really like also a belief that Freemasons became the Illuminati and they were like actually in control of yeah. shit. What shook me the, hardcore the, the, was that the I had of terror. Yeah. French was, revolution, like a lot of the Marxist revolutions. Right. All that. Yeah. They were behind the scenes. Um, what shook me the most was that I had a friend 
a good friend who was um, in, in college who, who shared these interests. And she went to law school and became an attorney and <clears throat> worked for the government. She, she worked for the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. She was actually in one of the buildings when the guy hit that survived. She's fine. Um, and I remember her like a few years after college telling me, you know what, after being, after working in the government for this long, like it's absurd to think that any <laughs> secret could actually persist with this right. many people. Like we can barely get shit done. And this gets, you know, when I was young, the black helicopter, you know, the black helicopter stuff. I see. Remind me. Uh, it definitely sounds familiar. It's, it's super vague. When I was a kid, they used to say that the black helicopters were FEMA. That was like, like basically oh, yeah. like spying on shit. Um, and then when, when FEMA so famously was unable to get its shit together after the hurricane, like <laughs> I thought after Katrina, you know, like there was a just terrible response. I thought yeah. it's crazy to think that they were like secretly controlling everything when they can't even get their shit together to like respond to an emergency in the way that they're supposed to. Well, if that's, if that's what they're supposed to do, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Um, the, I mean, one of the shocking things that I came across was this old Miami Herald article that exposed the this FEMA director. This is probably why your kid, you, you as a yeah, kid, were worried right. about FEMA. Louis Guifrida, um, it, they had been given powers to aid in the aftermath of disasters that transcended the authority of local officials. Charty reported that Reagan officials had gone to FEMA with plans to suspend the U.S. Constitution in the event of a death devastating nuclear strike that destroyed American infrastructure, communications, command and control. But in fact, they'd been practicing these readiness exercises since 1982. And they had all these operations in conjunction with the Department of Defense affiliated with the Edward R. Morrow's uh, Center at Fletcher School for Public Policy at Tufts. Um, and they revealed the name of these joint exercises, uh, Proud Saver, Rex 82, Pre-Nest, Rex 84, Night Train. Um, and these were like martial law plans where he advocated in case of a national uprising by black militants <laughs> and uh, also advocated the roundup and transfer to assembly centers or relocation camps. This is from a memo uh, yeah. of at least 21 million American Negroes. So this is the thing is like these like, yeah. like they were I, like, could they have actually done that? That's what you're casting right. doubt on because they fucked up the Katrina thing so much, but maybe that's not what they're trained to do. Maybe that's just like their justification for being there. They are trained to put down civil unrest. Now, like it's not that I have any positive or necessarily reason to believe that, but at the same time, like I was amazed by how hard it was to just research this. There's not that much on it. And it was, and there was the only reason we know anything about it is because of one 1987 Miami Herald like article that kind of brought some of this stuff to light. So I don't know. They seem to be able to get their shit together on some things anyway. Right. It's hard, like, obviously COINTELPRO was a thing and they actually did like yeah. a lot of counterintelligence on, on, you know, Black Panthers and shit like that. This is, this is why it's like extraordinarily epistemically hard. You have to sort of gain some, some baseline belief in the plausibility of the specific claims of, of the conspiracy theory in order to evaluate it because, because it's extremely difficult. So, so I'm, I'm willing to believe given what we know about the FBI's 
workings in with within our borders that they were able to do some shit. But the things that they are said to have done are straightforward. Like, you know, just like having spy on Black Panther. Spying on Black Panther is like bring, um <laughs> Assassinating Martin Luther King. Yeah. There's other stuff like scientific stuff that's just so like it's so ridiculous to believe that you, we have good reason to on the face of it doubt that they're that they're right and and we can use maybe scientific information um, to, to evaluate it. Tamler, guess who's back? Guess who's back? Back, back, back again. <laughs> yes, this episode of Very Bad Wizards is brought to you by one of our favorites of all time. I'm actually really excited to uh, be doing a, a, a read for GiveWell.org. Um, you know, actually, we're only one week when this drops. If you're listening to this on day of, we're one week away from Giving Tuesday, which is an international day of charitable giving at the beginning of the holiday season. And if you want to be confident that your dollars are doing the most good, go to givewell.org. I mean, you do want your donation to help as much as possible, but how do you know, Tamler? How? How do you know? Well, I didn't until <laughs> I started giving to GiveWell, which I've done now for the last couple of years. I know. I will say that um, that one of the my favorite parts about GiveWell is how, how little I have to think for myself because I trust them. Uh, these are our, our favorite spreadsheet nerds, spreadsheet nerds who actually spend their their smarts, their math smarts, doing good. They uh, have a list of top charities that they've gathered evidence for that they those programs specifically save lives um, and. You know, there are a lot of charities that don't actually have evidence that their programs work. So GiveWell has gone through and cataloged for you. So this year, help more people by donating to supporting charities that will do the most good with your donation. Make the diff biggest difference when you go to give at givewell.org. And if you want your donation to have even more impact, act soon. Any of our listeners who become new GiveWell donors... So if you haven't given to GiveWell yet, if you become a new donor, you will have your first donation matched up to $250 when you go to givewell.org slash very bad wizards. And then you select very bad wizards at the, well, select podcast and then very bad wizards at checkout. I remember I did that for my first donation. They had a, a similar kind of promotion and, or I don't know, do you call it a promotion if it's philanthropy? Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but it was, it was great. Because not only was it was they they matched my donation and um, and this matching offer is good for as long as funds last and it'll definitely last um, for the next few weeks. So um, it's a really special chance to make a small donation, even a relatively small donation, make a big impact. Get your first donation matched again up to two hundred and fifty dollars when you go to givewell.org/slash/verybadwizards and select podcast and then Very Bad Wizards at checkout. Yeah, thank you to GiveWell.org for sponsoring this episode of Very Bad Wizards. Okay, this is where we're going to like butt heads, I think. You know, like your friend said, like government can't get their shit together. I buy that to some degree, but that's not real. You know, that's anecdotal. That's like... Um, oh, now, now uh, you care. 
<laughs> exactly. No, I care. I care whether something's anecdotal when it's useful for me. Like, so take, I don't know what, if you're talking about with the science stuff, like climate change or like 5G, right? Like, 5G. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So this yeah. belief that like 5G is actually super harmful to people and that they're trying to like control. Yeah. That's just like, so, you yeah. know, college physics can show that that's wrong. Right. And there's no, there's no reason to think that every physicist or chemist is like in the bag for whatever this conspiracy <laughs> right. uh, theory is. So like you can, there are trustworthy sources of information there. Um, but what I was going to say is like about the anti-vaxxers who like, look, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Like I get vaccines, like my daughter has gotten all her shots and vaccines, but the idea that there are phar pharmaceutical companies like that are putting out um, misinformation to a, to a mass, large, large, unbelievably large sums of money. Like I totally buy, like, I think it's been vindicated. And so like, I, even though I think anti-vaxxers are probably a threat to the public health of, um, probably the, the you're, United not even, States. you're not willing to like go. Further. No, I mean, they, yeah, they are. <laughs> okay. I have some sympathy with that general impulse of like, don't just believe just because these, you know, what's kind of a conspiracy theory a little bit is like, you could definitely do one of the mental, mental health industry and just like now, yeah, you can do studies on various drugs, but that whole way of thinking where now you're just going to medicalize everything, that is something that is very hard to overturn. That would require a paradigm shift. But you, so um, there's a couple things. So, so one that I'm not, not, at all saying that um, people can't be wrong and so right, so muddled about the way that they're doing research that they're not systematically wrong for many years. Um, that, that can happen. It would have to, to turn into a conspiracy would literally be that there is there are people who know that it's right. wrong and they're being sort of paid to continue lying about it. <clears throat> and that's where it was like, yeah, you know, let's that's take, right. That it has yeah. to be intentional. Yeah. Like ego depletion research has had this famous sort of rise and fall um, and now many people just think that like tons and tons of studies were just wrong, like that they were false positive findings or whatever. Um, but I know a lot of those researchers well, and I know that they weren't secretly trying to suppress evidence. They were just doing things poorly, right? It wasn't... Um, you, you think you know that. <laughs> yeah. They've convinced you. <laughs> you are not in the Illuminati of... Uh, the psychologists that keep this whole thing afloat, this pyramid scheme. There are some. Are there are there secret societies in philosophy that you know of? Uh, not that I know of. I haven't certainly been invited to any of them. <laughs> there are some so. stupid ones in psychology. It's so are weird. there? Yeah, like secret societies. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's sort of an like an open secret. You can. There's been some articles written about it, but it's, yeah, <laughs> it's really dumb. <laughs> well, let, let, I feel like we're jumping ahead. Yeah to sort of like the, the epistemic question. Um, Cause I, I just think in general, epistemically we're so fucked that like, it's very hard to make broad statements about conspiracy theories in general. Like, well, they couldn't be that organized. How do you know that people couldn't be that organized? But, um, but I'm saying like our epistemic position, like to these kinds of issues is really poor. And so we're trusting third hand, fourth hand testimony, like people we know who know, like that, that know somebody that, you know, can tell us actually like the climate science is pretty definitive on this point or masks work right? Um, to prevent transmission. 
those are the those are the ones that I find hardest to believe. Like imagine that somebody came up to you and said, I know that all of philosophy has systematically been trying to shit on like this particular view and like that you guys are like suppressing it. You'd be like, we don't even talk to each other that much. Like, I don't know, <laughs> like the thought that you and a bunch of other philosophers got together and were like, you know what? Let's never talk about Foucault again <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> See, like I totally buy that. And it's just <laughs> that I was not invited to yeah. that like decision-making meeting. Because that's the thing. This is why maybe I, be- this is <clears throat> like, I am have more humility. Like you think if there was some big conspiracy that you would be in on it by now. Whereas I think they would just not include me. By now, being like the at the stage in life and the status that I am in life, like I would have found out some shit. Right. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the Rothschild would have said yeah. like an emissary to you by now. <laughs> I remember I told I told Paul Bloom early on in graduate school that if he ever found out that like the the elders of Zion were like true, that he would just yeah. tell me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Because I figured he might get tapped. <laughs> Give you a little heads up, like... <laughs> like, like three winks, you know, and yeah. a pause, and then two more winks. <laughs> you have a two-day head start before they come after you. <laughs> but, like, nothing even close to a conspiracy. In, in fact, I get sometimes undergrad students who will make statements, like, they're frustrated about the way things are going, and they'll say something like, that indicates that they believe that systematically the the university is trying to do something to the students. And I'm like, right. no, you're mistaking incompetence or apathy or, you know, <laughs> just, just for like actual intentional right. orchestrated action. I, and I do, I really, I know that this is not conceptual or empirical evidence that you can like take to the bank. And as you said, you can't make blanket statements about conspiracy theories because some conspiracy theories just are true. But anything that requires the secret coordinated action of lots and lots of people in power, I think on the face of it just has a less, less of a chance of being true. It's hard for people to keep that yes. level of secrecy. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, yeah, like the universities are the prime example maybe yeah. of where like it would be very hard. Now that said, like, Penn State did a pretty good job of keeping the Sandusky thing under wraps for a while. And so, again, sometimes these things do happen. Or look at the Catholic Church, right? Like, yeah. you would think, oh, it would be really hard for them to hide the fact that there, like, there was this massive sex abuse, like, rampant with a lot of the, the, the their priests. And yet, like, it took a while for that. Um, to come to light and there and it was very hard to like you know even once it came to light for to get any to gain any traction or momentum yeah i think that that's a, an interesting case where in order to keep something um secret like that well i mean there were, i'm sure there were leaks and people talking about it for for a while but but if you compartmentalize things so that every instance in which that happens people are cut off from knowledge that it's happened in other places, then you have a shot. You, like Because everybody will plausibly believe that this is just a one-off. <laughs> exactly. And so like that one is one that probably would have been harder to keep. Now. Yeah. Like, that Sandusky like, thing, how many people knew, aside from the victims, obviously, but like there were a few people in power who knew, I suppose. Yeah. 
But they were, you know, like the, I, I think part of the issue with these things is they tell their their husband or wife, and they yeah. tell their friends, and like that, and then the whole thing gets yeah, out. But that's why I don't. But try these to, things, yeah. they have these mechanisms of also squashing it, right? Like they have people that they marshal out, like you, who'll say, "Oh no, there's no way that could have happened," because like think of the organization, and then they're like, "Oh, okay, never mind then." You <laughs> I, know, in my faculty senate meeting, they had a vote that I shouldn't talk about this in, on the podcast. You know. <laughs> Right. And then in all of their robes, you know, they like sliced no, their yeah. hand and made me do a blood oath. <laughs> yes, and they sacrifice. You had to sacrifice like a virgin. For- <laughs> oh, here's another. You know, like there is this um, the Skull and Bones Secret Society at Yale. Do you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, with George H.W. Uh, Bush. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So he's at the center of a lot of conspiracies. <laughs> he really is, and he's not even Jewish. Like, uh, um, no, like there is a there's a wasp element to conspiracies. Yeah. Like Rockefeller, he's kind of old wasp right um yeah yeah um so uh the skull and bones secret society is yale has rather than like the greek system they have secret societies skull and bones is a bit big in the sense that they have like a huge endowment they have a building and they're probably tied to freemasonry in some way um right i just i happened to know a kid who was uh, so the, it's still going. I yeah, yeah, it's still there, right on, right on High Street in New Haven. Um, it's a, it's a very, it's the second, at least when I was in graduate school, it was the second largest endowment in Connecticut was Skull and Bones, only second to Yale's endowment. Um, yeah, yeah, and they're just a bunch of like fucked hard kids, you know. <laughs> like there's, you would really have to like, it would be a stretch to think that these these idiots who are just basically like jerking each other off and like you know having these fake rituals would be capable of anything that serious. Yeah. But of course you think that now, right? Like <laughs> people probably thought that about HW, right? Like, they're, Oh, uh, there's no way he's just some rich kid. That's, um, yeah, like, but I don't wanting to think jerk that, off. What? I don't think, I don't think that HW was part of a skull and bones conspiracy. That's part. Well, I mean, but he did go on to um, become like director of the CIA and like heavily involved in both Gulf Wars and like a lot of our and and, like all the oil deals. Rich rich white kids who go to Yale have a shot at being powerful, whether or not they're in Skull and Bones, right? That's just right, one of those I guess. There, I mean, there is something about secret societies. That's like how the whole Illuminati thing yeah. got started and all the Freemason conspiracies is there's something about a secret society. They are dedicated to keeping things secret for, uh, from you. Well, that's, so, that's like, the unfalsifiable nature of it, right? Of course, like if, that's that, – and that, that is why these things persist. Um, by the way, if I am murdered before this episode comes out <laughs> – I will take that as proof that the Illuminati <laughs> exists and is conspiring. I don't I, know. You seem like you're trying to cover a lot of this shit up. Well, you know, I, I went to Yale. Um, Which is the one, like, if you're red-pilled, do you see the truth? Or? I never get that right. I think yeah. red pill is the truth. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, so could, we should talk about, A, the kind of person that's prone to believe in conspiracies. Because I think that I am like a conspiracy theorist dilettante. Or and not even a good dilettante. I, I don't really, there's no conspiracy theory that I've really dived into, although I could see myself starting today. I know you just started. This is like yeah, a. This is a, this is a new direction for my life. 
but I'm glad I think some people are prone to believe it and to really get it, let it like kind of take over their life and, and, you know, often with really harmful and destructive effects, maybe sometimes with good effects, who knows? Yeah. But like, we should talk about the kind of person that is yes. prone to engage with it that way. So here, so there, there are a few things that have been documented as at least predictors of the, of who believes in conspiracy theories. And they, they're things like low in analytical thinking, um, need for cogn- high need for cognitive closure. And then there's the stuff that really, to me, is the most interesting, which I think you might be a candidate for, given what I've seen of your um, weird uh, superstitious tendencies. And yeah. that is the tendency to see patterns and a- a- attribute patterns to what is generally random information. So the, what you the, say is random. Yeah, exactly. The tendency to perceive agency and intentionality where it does not exist. And that's two of the articles highlight this. That's, I think the most interesting part to me. That's like, um, the seeing of patterns and seeing of agency, those and seeing of things. agency, those two things. Right. So this yeah. is, and so you have like, uh, studies where, um, if I show you a series of coin flips, for instance, and there's like you know, 20 coin flips and 16 of them are heads. Some yeah. people think, well, that's for sure an unfair coin, right? When it's perfectly right. consistent with it being a fair coin. And if you flipped it a hundred times, you would, it, it would just be about 50, 50. Um, that tendency to see patterns, sometimes it's called apophenia. I think we've talked about it before. Um, it's, In the context of stoner films. Actually. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Now he, here's the thing. Everybody agrees that everybody has this to some degree. This is like the human mind. And as much as I love thinking that people higher in this, or that this is at the root of conspiracy theories, or belief in conspiracy theories, I, that's just not enough. We, we, there is a real benefit to seeing patterns. And then there's patterns that you see that were right, that turn out to be right, and some that turn out to be wrong. That's not enough to make you into conspiracy theory. No. Right? That's enough to make you like go on to like the David Lynch Twin Peaks subreddit and give yeah. your like your latest Twin Peaks season three theory. Um like and it, you know, right. and, and that is like a way to like watch things and try to connect uh things. But there's a big difference between that and then looking at the chaos of the world and thinking this has to make sense in some way and trying because i because i feel like i'm in the former group and really not at all in the latter group right and i think that that for instance your um gut level sports superstition that like you will easily discard like if if like push comes to shove if like you put like if you said like my daughter's life depends on you being right about this Yeah. yeah um maybe maybe that's like, you know, another aspect of being higher in that trait. But as these articles say, those traits tend to predict belief in conspiracy theories less in high education individuals. So, right. so yeah. maybe what's going on is that you've just sort of had that shit knocked out of you um, through just the power of reasoning. Just like, like those Richard Dawkins books. <laughs> yeah, got to that's me. right. You used to be one. You used to be so rational. <laughs> I did. I totally did. I was like the, the the person like going up to girls at bars and asking why they believe in astrology. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that shit is so popular now. Astrology. Yeah. 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 This is. Uh, 
it's an interesting thing to try to connect religion or astrology mm-hmm. or something like that to conspiracy theories because they are different, but they have a lot in common, especially the need to see like patterns yeah. in things that seem otherwise random or chaotic, a blooming, buzzing confusion. <laughs> like I think like I, this is the thing. Like I do see the world mostly as a blooming, buzzing confusion or whatever that phrase is, but um, I also have that trait. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Uh, apophenia. Ap- ap- apophenia. I will see little connections in life. But that's what makes us good at what we do. Just they're just they're just not grand. They're yeah. they're little things. Yeah. They're like little things that I think I've figured out about, you know, the way people interact. Or movies is a prime example, movies and TV shows, where I'll come up with really fucked up theories about something that turned out to have a much more straightforward like explanation that yeah. I just wouldn't accept because it doesn't make sense. Like I need some some other kind of explanation for it. Yeah, I don't like. I feel like I come up with connections a lot too. And part of the reason I, I don't think this is anywhere near close enough to explain conspiracy theories is because I think being high in that is the only thing that makes us be anywhere decent at our job is to find similarities and connections and to find patterns. Like that's kind of just what we do. That's like it's yeah. There's a little difference, though, in being overprone to sort of seeing yeah. them. But you're yeah. right that that is like you have to have that to a significant degree. Right. In a schizophrenic, like a, a person suffering from schizophrenia has like it in just, you know, if you ever talk to one of those paranoids, they they have a notebook full of, of connections. And you're just like, well, that's how I feel yeah. when I talk to you about these connections. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> There's a great movie that came out. I, I think I recommended it once on the podcast, Under the Silver Lake, where the the central character really sees like the universe as these like coded signs that rich people are giving to each other for their like they have this plan I won't spoil it but like that that are in like yeah. cereals like the little things like the toys that or maps that they yeah. put in the cereals and like Vanna White and and like her <laughs> gestures on Wheel of Fortune and um, like those things are all connected and they and you know the main character just is frenzied like with all these things or like Charlie and Always Sunny right. <laughs> Uh, that's where I'm not like that, you know? Right. You're easy yeah. to pick up, but easy to discard. Right. Easy to pick. That's exactly right. Easy yeah. to discard. And if I the think, stakes are high enough, I'll just discard it. Right. And I think this is the nefariousness of conspiracy theories, because I think to some extent, I see that trait in myself. I think most humans would, but I abandon them pretty easily. So, you know, I remember as a kid thinking when I stubbed my toe, what did I do before that to like have had the universe punish me for instance so like i'm searching for some some like reason some cause that i that i you know the conspiracy of the universe to make me stub my toe but then i abandon them pretty quickly conspiracy theories are are the kinds of beliefs that are so tailor-made to having trouble abandoning them and i think when you put social pressures into that when you have other people telling you like feeding it to you then it's like a virus it's like a like a so hard to disabuse people of these things. So I think that like also though it's also fairly low stakes for me to discard it, you know, like because if it's true, it doesn't really matter if it does it's not true, it doesn't really matter like I'm kind of fucked either way. I'm not going to or I'm good either way. So yeah. like who cares whether I believe it or not? But I think for some people they have this emotional investment. This is another part of the article, right? Where people who are oppressed mm-hmm. or exploited are most are more likely to 
believe in conspiracies, people who are either low status or they've had, there is a big segment of the country that's against them. I mean, think of, you know, you're at like Trump voters who believe the election was rigged, right? Like they are probably, you know, they've had all of or most of media and pop culture kind of being against them and they feel beleaguered by and and also the shit scared out of them by right wing or uh, organizations telling them that like they hate you they have contempt for you and so and 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 to the some extent that's true like so then now to believe that this was all bullshit and Trump is, was just a con man. Like that's really high stakes in, in getting rid of that belief rather yeah. than thinking, no, the deep state and the media are have it in for him and you were right all along. Right. Or like all of what you said for say like, um, you, like disenfranchised black people in this country yeah. who, of course. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's, here's my problem with all this literature and psychology on this stuff. Um, there is, so everything I've read about conspiracy theories, you'll have people pointing to, okay, this tendency to oversee patterns, like oversee intentionality, oversee agency, and um, people who uh, need explanations for their suffering or their like sociological conditions where there's a right. lot of uncertainty. All of this stuff is taken as like, here is what makes people believe in conspiracy theories. But all of that stuff is what makes us believe anything like the desire to see order in the universe is what leads scientists to do science or philosophers to do philosophy. The tendency to see patterns can make like a statistician really good. All of this stuff to me doesn't, it's, it's not a great explanation. It's not offering much by way of explaining what's going on with conspiracy theories. I think it's much better to look at belief in, in, let's just say crazy. Let's, let's take a, some subset of conspiracy theories that we are like super convinced are not true. So John Benet Ramsey is Kitty Perry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> there is something in the feature of those beliefs that I think is making them hard to discard. Because I can understand why people pick them up. What I think right. needs to be explained is why they don't let them go. Right. Right. Yes, exactly. That's a really good way of putting it, actually. Like, you can get into the mindset temporarily of these <laughs> things pretty easily. All the time, They're right? Fun. Yeah, totally. This is really fucked up. Oh, okay. That yeah, I would buy that. And then you know, you see, you, yeah, this this happened a lot to me today, right? Like, but what <laughs> makes the people not just give it up? Yeah, and that's, that's, not discard right. it in the face of evidence that you know would would be plenty for people like you and me. Right. So this ep- epistemic nightmare of like thinking that people um, believe that there's hundreds of thousands of fake ballots. And yeah. you can like show them cameras of, of like, you know, Republicans present while they were being counted. And you can show them evidence that the ballots that were being discarded were empty. And they only take that as, as further evidence for their belief. Yeah. It's like an epistemic nightmare. And you're like, well, what is it? I think that any attempt to explain, to make sweeping statements about why people believe in conspiracy theories, I think ends up just calling people stupid. But it's, but they're not like but, some of these people. Some people are very smart that believe in conspiracies. Right. And so the question really is, what is causing these things to these specific beliefs to persist? And yeah. I think the more pressing question is, how do we get people to stop believing these specific things? Like, how do you snap someone out of that? Well. So- <laughs> So take QAnon, right? Yeah. And we'll assume that, you know, the, you know, some of the more extreme aspects of QAnon are false, right? Like, <laughs> so what causes people to... Be- You're such a centrist about conspiracy theory. 
I really am. I don't want to like. <laughs> I'm trying to like triangulate. Let's pretend and, you're such a Virgo or whatever. I don't want to offend them. <laughs> I want to bring everybody into the conversation. <laughs> but so take something like that. Like I have. I have no incentive. Like there's nothing in me that wants to believe that's true. It's horrible. Yeah. Like if it was true, it, it like I'm a fairly cynical person about like the people, people in power and, um, pol- and politics in general. But like, I don't want to believe they're all sex criminals, you know? Epstein was a fine man. No, like, but yeah, the, there are people like Jeffrey Epstein and I'd like to believe that that's not like everybody, that that's not also like most of the actors and actresses that I like. And, you know, the politicians that I don't like, but at least I don't think they're all sex criminals. So like that, you know, like there's nothing that draws me to believe that, but there has to be for some other people. Like that has to do something for them. Yeah, it it has to. It's just that, that it does something for them can't be the evidence used against them because, um, right. Some, That's yeah. what I'm saying. So yeah, what is yeah. it? Somebody might it's not have, like pleasant to believe that about the world. No, I think it's also very easy for us to think of all these examples of the crazy conspiracies that we know are wrong, but um, we think are wrong, or we, we think, suspect, or we suspect are deeply wrong, but possibly wrong. the The belief in widespread sexual harassment in Hollywood um, could be dismissed as a conspiracy theory, and I think it turns out that it was true. Um, and there is something I'm going to use. I'm going to use a centrist term here. There's something that people have weaponized about calling something a conspiracy where you can easily dismiss it. Absolutely. And that's happened plenty of times in the past where people have actually done that. Yeah. And And called something a conspiracy that just turned out to be like 100% true. (laughs) Maybe it was even worse than the conspiracy. So we need some some external reason to, 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 and method to really try to find the truth. And I don't know what that is. I don't know what. But I guess I, I was going a little before, before like trying to persuade or trying to die. Like yeah. just what impels them to believe it in the first place? Like there is a kind of, you know, there isn't it yeah, a cognitive yeah, yeah. bias, like an optimistic bias. Like you try to believe the world is better than it is. Yeah. And so what makes people believe these things that are so awful that if they are true, like it means that it's a matter of time before the Illuminati like are um yeah are right. are, 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 ma- are putting us in cages or making us have sex with them yeah no that's a that's a, a great question i remember when i was a postdoc i was um working with a memory researcher on <clears throat> false memory stuff so elizabeth loftus who does false memory research and pete ditto who does motivated reasoning research and we did a project that was trying to look at it never went anywhere but it was trying to look at this question which is why would people be so willing to accept evidence that they were molested as kids, right? Right. That's for all the reasons you say, like, aren't we supposed to just believe good things about ourselves and like try to wash away the bad? And where we were, like, we were trying to do some studies to test the hypothesis that what's going on is that that helps explain your current misery. And if you can, if you can chalk it up to like an external force, then it feels good. Right, like people, people want to believe that there are agents actively working to keep them down, because believing that it's just you being stupid or lazy is a terrible thought, or even that you've just gotten randomly fucked. Or randomly fucked. That's right. Randomly fucked doesn't have meaning. Systematically fucked has meaning. Exactly. 
Yeah. No, no, no. Right. Like that makes sense. Whereas if you are, if you are fairly happy and you feel lucky and you feel like fortunate in like what life has dished out for to you for the most part, then like you don't, you're not going to necessarily need to find an explanation for that. So I think, yeah. So That's my, absolute. Yeah, my friend's father, so two of my best friends growing up, their father died of a pretty gnarly cancer um, in his, I guess, early 50s. And, you know, he was, a, he was a young man, right? Like it struck him, it was tragic. He, he survived for a year, but, but succumbed. He happened to live close to Three Mile Island when there was that nuclear accident. Mm. Yeah. So my friends really think that, that there was something about the radiation that led to cancer in, in their father. Now, I have no idea what, right. whether that's true or not. But I do know that it brought them seemingly some comfort. Comfort is a weird word to use because it brought them outrage, but a comfortable outrage. There's comfort in being outraged when you know that somebody did this, as opposed to just randomly my father got the severe cancer and, and like, so I was going to think, even though I brought this up in the first place, like now I'm thinking that like in some ways it's worse if, if, if like this active agency did it and they got away with it rather than it's just a horrible, meaningless lottery. Like, you know, that there, there are these people out there who did it and if they just hadn't been evil, yeah. then um, but, but see, here's my a- mother would still be alive. Yeah. But here is the thing that I think is where the psychology maybe sheds light yeah. on it. It's you, you have a shot at changing evil agents. Right. You don't have a shot at changing you know, the universe rolling a die. Right. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so yeah, and channeling if you're just... that outrage, I think, is, is yeah. And maybe, yeah, maybe like the evolutionary paper that we read, maybe there's something about that. Like finding out who's trying to fuck you is a good impulse. Yeah, and the false positives of that are 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 worse than the yeah. False so you had a couple are of better than the false negatives. <laughs> so yeah. you had a couple of people who were actually yeah. trying to kill you. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Dave, these are turbulent times right now. <laughs> kind of unprecedentedly turbulent times. I can't remember anything like it in my lifetime. Can you? No, I mean, hopefully this shit only happens once every hundred years, uh, at least pandemic wise. So, so I don't want to be able to remember anything (laughs) as bad as this or have to go through anything as bad as this, but yes, turbulent, very turbulent. So if you're feeling unhappy, stressed, anxious, if you're struggling right now to meet your goals, as so many of us are, BetterHelp can assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment and start communicating in under 24 hours. This is always a great service, and these days, as we're trying to minimize our face-to-face contact, it is a boon. They have a broad range of expertise, which may not be locally available in many areas, licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, and more. You will get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. Phone sessions. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available to those who need it. 
You can check out their testimonials. They post them daily on their site to see how BetterHelp has helped so many people worldwide. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So... Start living a happier life today. And as a listener of Very Bad Wizards, you will get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash VBW. Join one, over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health and go to betterhelp.com slash VBW. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. You know, I was. It's funny that you brought up this because I was thinking today. Um, there are a lot of Greek gods, um, a lot of Greek god, myths where Greek gods are heavily involved, and and they serve that purpose in these books for the mortals. Is just a way of explaining just how they get randomly fucked over, or killed. Um, you know why some people are are blessed with certain skills or traits or 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 they were able to perform certain feats it's cuz well athena was was backing um odysseus or whatever and it's like conspiracy theories can be like God's, God of the gaps. Like yeah. It's like, we don't understand this. This gives us a way of understanding this. It was part of this bigger, This like the Greek gods are kind of a conspiracy. They're this bigger yeah. organized power that affect the ways that we interact with each other and explain out of character, like deeply out of character decisions or injustice in some way, like deep injustice. That's the other role. Oh, that, well, you know, that's just cause Aphrodite is still pissed about that. Aries slept with whoever the fuck, some yeah. nymph, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That they, they offer. And, and the thing is like when society believed in that and there's like structures like myths and religions that offer you an explanation. And we don't call that a conspiracy theory because, I don't know, you respect whatever, the, like the beliefs of people who have like built this world story. Yeah. But people are really trying to build this world story. And sometimes it involves, there's nothing about Q, QAnon that's crazier than believing in a Greek God, right? Yeah, no. I mean, you might have, you have different sources of evidence, yeah. but like, it's funny, God, like now that I'm thinking about it, like you wouldn't call like, the Christian God or even the like Old Testament God really a conspiracy because, you know, like they're, they're not intimately involved with all the like sort of the things that happen, but the Greek gods, because they are, they have their own dramas and their own goals and own intentions. They really are like a cabal uh, at the top. You know, they really do operate in that way and probably provide the similar sorts of, either, you know, like suffering or satisfaction to the people who buy into it. Yeah. Yeah. So like their coordinated actions, it's, they at least bring meaning to, yeah. right. Like that, that didn't happen. Even if it was, you know, even if the gods were capricious, at least it happened for a reason. It right. reminds me of That's that. That's the weird thing. Yeah. It's like, why do I have to suffer? Because, you know, Artemis is, is, is pissed at Apollo for like not respecting her deer. <laughs> yeah. And why does that bring any kind of comfort as opposed to it being a random talk? Like a, right. Yeah. There's this in Slaughterhouse Five, there's this quote, something like where the guy says, why me? And the other guy yeah. says, why you? Why anyone? And there is like this, 
the coldness of the why anyone is that the universe doesn't care. <laughs> like, but the why me is a fundamentally just like, just super um, egotistical way of asking the question. Like, do, you you don't matter, but in these stories, you somehow matter. You're you're part of this bigger narrative. And you're oppressed in a way that it's not your fault at all. I mean, you were saying that before yeah. and I was maybe pushing back against it to some degree, but to some degree, that's right. Like, you know, if you feel like you aren't what you want to be and then it might be, like you said, it's not like it's, it's not any part of you that's leading to that. It is this coordinated effort to, to keep you down. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I still wanted you to be able to epistemically or, you know, like or empirically rank conspiracy theories in, uh, yeah. their, in their order of like how ridiculous it is. Like there's, the, you know, you have lizard people and you have like um, COINTEL yes. and somewhere in between there's stuff. <laughs> like I don't want to give up the ghost on ranking them um, because I think that one of the things that does happen in people who believe some of these conspiracy theories is they just never they end up just not questioning some of the crazier assumptions that need to be questioned. And so like one of the things that I kept thinking to myself, especially when reading the philosophy article that we read was how do I know that none of my beliefs were arrived at in this crazy way? Like, right. you know, and it's super hard to know, you know, the other day I found myself lost in this Twitter slash Reddit slash just general internet search about uh, where I was just reading too many like conservatives there was a post about um, the the statement where Trump said there are very fine people on both sides. Yeah. And it's true that the way that the media um, ended up characterizing it for, for us left of center people was that he was unequivocally pandering to white supremacists. But in that same speech, moments later, he says, I'm not saying you should defend white supremacists or white nationalists. They're, they should be condemned. Yeah. And, um, it, this, it, it tossed me it, like it threw me for a loop a little bit where I was like, wait, and, and I kept trying to like make sure that I had the right one. I was like, no, but he did say this, like, and then I was like, shit, man, if I don't even know why I believe what I believe in this case, like, right. it, it's not like I'm going to bend, I'm not going to go QN on people, but, but if we're not a little worried about the information that we get, then we're doing something wrong. That's a hundred percent right. And I've had that experience probably a little earlier than you did. Because you're older. The the liberal bias and the media bias against Trump is a real thing. Like that's yeah. the that it's it's not that that the people who believe this and then now can't trust the New York Times or anybody like calling the victory for Biden. It's not that they're not given any reason yeah. or any right. evidence to believe that's true. There are a lot of those cases where things are are it's they're not they're out of context a little bit it's not that you can't defend it at all but it does totally taint like like lean you one way and yeah. like that stuff happens all the time yeah. with trump and with like a lot of right-wing figures where things are reported and excerpted and the internet makes that very easy to to happen i mean it also makes it very easy also a little easier for you to correct like, yeah but the know. thing is you're taking a risk so so um my delving into whatever corners of conservative internet that I don't usually, that I'm not usually a part of, there is a cost associated with me spending that much time in the, like, so I get upset. I disagree. Right. 
I like, you know, I'm, I'm just get morally indignant. It takes some energy to but find they have these like blonde, like, like these like blonde Republican kind of borderline fascist girls that you oh, would love. I know. That's why I can't. That's why. I think that they're just using fake avatars to try to lure people like me. Um, (laughs) I love my guns. There is like a real cost to diving deep enough to find that one thing that the liberal media might have distorted. And it takes hours of like searching to make sure that it's right. So that's asking a lot of people, Mm -hmm. um, but it's all, it's asking, you know, as a good, it's like as a liberal myself, like it's asking a lot of conservatives to do the same. Like, it's not a mystery at all why we, we don't do that. Like, you know, if we were rational agents, you could say, well, like, you should look at information as if we were scientists looking up journal articles where we could find pro and con and make a rational uh, assessment. But in order for me to do that with politics, I have to wade through a shit ton of, like, hateful spewing that goes against right. what I believe already. And, right. and that's right. just further incentive never to delve. And you have every disincentive to not like, cause a, you're going to like get your like core beliefs that have like led you to do certain things challenged and B you're going to get upset and you're going to be exposed to things that you legitimately hate and you are well-informed enough about to yeah. hate, you know? Right. Yeah. And so the, ge- the genuine response that I had when I was like, fuck, that's true. He did say it was, well, but I know that Trump is pandering to white supremacists. So like, even if in this case he condemned them, that doesn't mean that that clip is that bad to take out of context because I believe this already about Trump. And that's exactly the fucking thing that people say, <laughs> say that Trump is always doing, right? Where right. like, or the conservatives are always doing, which is that like they're discarding evidence for the sake of, uh, like they already know that the spirit exactly. of the belief is right. So I'm not being a centrist here because I'm genuinely like convinced that fuck Trump. But if you're not shook a little bit by the way we get information, I think that you're probably a little too comfortable. Right. I don't think this is a centrist like no, – because no, no. I think the centrists also do this, yeah. right? They also are, are, are very focused on things that uh, support their centrist belief that, you know, defund the police is what costs the Democrats the Senate. And right. this is a bias that is – uh, widespread among everybody. Some people are better at dealing with it than others, but I don't think it's like wh- where you are in the political spectrum has an effect on that. Yeah, meta comment, like sort of side meta comment then. It is a little bit sad that whatever, seven years ago, I wouldn't have a problem saying both liberals and conservatives are biased without fearing that it placed me in some political, like some poli- on some side of politics. And now the reason that I'm like hedging is that I don't want to be lumped in with like, so I don't know, some weak ass interest that I'm imagining in my mind who, who (laughs) it's like, I can't, can't say that anymore. I just just can't. Paul Bloom. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it is. um, The amount of information that exists on the internet, true and false is so ridiculous that the epistemic problems that we face now are just unparalleled. And it's not even true and false, but also just like this is the problem with some of the liberal stuff. Like some obviously some of the conservative stuff is way worse than what I'm about to describe. It's just blatant falsehoods, just like massive fraud, 100, you know, 200,000 missing votes in Minnesota or whatever. But like – but what I'm talking about is more just like it's slanted in a certain direction and it cuts off certain 
quotes and speeches yeah. in ways that sort of bias you in, in a certain way. And, uh, or, or just like, you know, the fact that there have been all these Middle East peace deals that have barely gotten mentioned in the um, times, whereas that just wouldn't be true if it was Obama, like three months of the election, and all of a sudden Israel is making peace with all these <laughs> countries, even if, you know, it's kind of already been true de facto. Like, it still would, like, they would have covered it and they would have right. celebrated right. it. And that it's, just, that kind of stuff doesn't happen. And so, like, you have to be shook by that stuff. It's patronizing. You really do have to, like, read across the spectrum. Yeah. Because and, you but will in order have to do, this yeah, moment. But in order to do that, you have to, like, take the fucking hit of reading fucking, you know, yeah. like Ben Shapiro or whatever. Your boy. Um, right. <laughs> your boy. <laughs> um, no, yeah. Um, I'll, you know, I'll give you an example of this. Um, the Rudy Giuliani is, a, like, a fuckwit. There's no, there's zero equivocation in my belief there or in my statement. But that that picture of him in the hotel room where he has his hand down his pants. Do you know? This? Yeah. Like this. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I saw the Bart movie. Yeah. Oh, I did. See it. But he's he's like you know I was tucking in my shirt, and everyone oh, like on my side of the aisle is like yeah whatever you were jerking off to that girl, but like <laughs> it seems pretty reasonable that he was tucking in his shirt. Like, yeah, it's, there, there is some creepy thing, like having seen the whole scene in the movie, like, and I don't know how he edited it, yeah. but like, there are some creepy things, but like, at least the initial reports of it were completely like not at all supported by like what you see in the movie. And it's like journalism for the greater good, which is very patronizing, which is like, okay, you, I, I don't need that to know that Rudy Giuliani is doing some evil, stupid things. I don't, I don't need to right. also believe this, exactly. <laughs> but there is this desire to, to curate information to make sure that I remember that he's evil. And this is what Twitter and Facebook, like that's how they make their money is to curate yeah. it for you. And that's the problem. This is like a part of it. This is like a conspiracy, but it's not a conspiracy because it's not coordinated. It's just they're the way they profit yeah. is by like outraging people and leading you like you. Okay. You already are disposed to hate Rudy Giuliani and fair enough. Like he's yeah. very hateable, but the, now they're just going to feed you everything, any story that will like kind of true, kind of true, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like the, you're going to get it. Yeah, I mean, this is the this is the issue. And then once you you've lost your innocence when it comes to that stuff, it's like it is hard to get back. And this is where like I feel like I was, um, and why I'm more prone to believe in certain conspiracies is now you're all of a sudden like trusting what were formerly trusted sources less than you used to, you know. Yeah. Um, and then once you're there, then it's, then you're fucked. You're epistemically so fucked because how are you supposed to know? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. There, to me, when I think about how I evaluate conspiracy theories, I think I just use certain heuristics where it's, it's just, if anything requires the coordinated efforts of too many people that are kept secret, I just don't believe it. Um, and I think that keeps me kind of roughly on like a, a on the right path or things that require like metaphysical beliefs that i just discard you know like uh the existence of lizard people or something like that um right and then and then that's that but all of the middle ground stuff is the experience i have with the mid-level stuff like uh people selectively reporting because they're trying to to convince you uphold an ideology that stuff is not that far away psychologically from believing in conspiracy theory. It's just that people, people who don't have like scientific education might set their rational priors differently when, when talking, when thinking about like, you know, how physics works and how medicine works. 
Um, but it's probably the same mechanism that's leading them to maintain this belief. I don't know, like, gun to my head, I'm probably with you, but, like, I, I feel like I could easily be wrong. Like, I could easily be wrong about, like, a lot of these. Like, I tend to discard the conspiracies, but I don't tend to think that, that it's crazy that they could be true. Like, I think, like, you know, with some of them, yes. Yeah. Um, with lizard people, yes. But, like, you know, JFK um, was assassinated by the CIA? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, gun to my head, I don't even know what I would do. I mean, why case. did Jack Ruby kill Lee Harold? <laughs> What's <laughs> right. going on there? I mean, there's so many fucked up things. Um, you know, something like Jeffrey Epstein killing himself. I remember talking, like, we were texting with Paul, I think, and... Like, what's your credence in it? And, like, I remember he, and maybe you, too, had a very low credence, like 10%, 15%. I'm, I'm convinced that he killed himself, yeah. So, like, I don't, I, like, I'm convinced that, it, like, either he didn't kill himself or he was, he was convinced to kill himself because there were certain threats coming from powerful people. And that wouldn't be that hard to coordinate and um, like certainly less hard than all the things they had done for him to get to that prison cell. I think that the Illuminati convinced the aliens to coerce him through mind control using 5G waves. <laughs> but this is what I mean. I think we are like we still like for all your like what you've conceded and I've conceded, we're still far apart on like where we think oh, our yeah, epistemic. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I, yeah, you, I do. Your epistemic confidence is much higher than mine. Yeah. A lot of these things. It is. It is. Um, for better or for worse, but like I'm, I'm just, I just don't believe in the coordinated. I'm just a, a pessimist about coordinated human action, and also like a pretty strong rationalist and empiricist. I mean, those two things don't mean what I mean. Um, pretty strong in my ease with which I would discard information that's not obviously relevant. So like, I, I don't know. Hey, let me ask you a question. I saw I closed on my house on Friday. Yeah. The closing date was set as Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. And the seller asked me, are you superstitious at all? Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck no. Like, I can give a fuck like what day it's. But would that bother you at all? That in particular? No. 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 Yeah. I thought like, I, for a moment I was like, what would it be like to be a person who believed that signing paperwork on that day would mean something? And I thought, well, I should ask him. But like, I will, like my daughter is very like knock on wood person. Like yeah. she, and like you have to do it the right way or, or, or you're fucked. And she really believes it. And prob probably because of superstitions that I, that I have instilled in her. But like, you know, it's also just random what, like the Friday the 13th thing never got to yeah. me. Uh, and we were watching like, uh, the Conjuring, which is like a haunted house movie, and you know how in all those things you you always sort of make fun. It's part of the fun of the movies. You make fun of the like, how are they not getting that this is a fucked up situation? Why are they not just packing up like the Eddie Murphy thing? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you get the fuck out. They're ghost nuts. <laughs> you get the fuck out, right? Yeah. Like, why are they not doing that? And then I remembered that when we moved into our house in Houston, we were renting it at the time. In the attic, there were like. I swear to God, 80 
I don't know, half human sized ceramic Santa Clauses, like ver- of all different types. Like there were, there were, and Sparta Pete's also, and just like, like, so from all different kind of cultural presentations of Santas, they were literally like 80. The entire attic was covered in them. And we even joked at the time that that was like a horror movie that, like, you know, like you could call a Santa where they all, and then we just, we, we didn't want them. Like we're, we don't, like we're Jewish or, you know, I'm Jewish. And so, so um, we put all the Santas on the lawn and and like just gave them away to everybody in, in the neighborhood. And like and we thought that was fine. We didn't move out of the house. We didn't say get the fuck out of the house. Like we 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 stayed in that house, which is insane. Like we thought oh, if we just get rid of the Santas, they're not going to kill us because like they're not going to just come back to the house and kill us. And then you would see them pop up across the street and like, oh, that's fine. Like all of a sudden, like this neighbor has one of our Santas. Uh, all I want to know is that you put the short of Pete's on the lawn, like a lawn jockey. <laughs> my point though is that like i think just because like you seem to like detect some sort of like pattern in one area like you might be totally blind to it another in another and so yeah no it's true i i think i i made a decision at some point (laughs) in my life to just like kill all of that part of my like just just it's an easier life if i don't care about those 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 random patterns i don't know why it's like sort of i decided to stop arguing with you you know about these kinds of things yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i never made that decision um you know but like uh that doesn't mean that i see patterns in everything like friday the 13th nothing like Uh, you know what you fail to see a pattern in and i've never seen a ghost you fail to see a pattern in the rampant cheating of the new england patriots Uh, we can talk about that next time that's one of the most (laughs) implausible conspiracies like maybe that's ever like been put forth you're like you're like 50 50 on lizard people but like deflate gate <laughs> fuck you that's just crazy but i mean it was it was at the level of lizard people <laughs> yeah yeah hey, where glad, was your skepticism then i'm i'm glad that um that you enjoy sucking tom brady's dick um so <laughs> not <much>. anymore <laughs> yeah not anymore uh all right all right. Uh, we'll be back. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we yeah, didn't talk about. So. We didn't even talk about the substance of any any of these. Yeah, which I, I, I mean, we alluded to them, yeah. but I would like to go go yeah. a little deeper into some of them. New World if, Order. like If we make it to next episode. If we're <laughs> yeah. not silenced by the Illuminati. It's really just a question of, is it the Jew conspiracy <laughs> that's in charge or is it the like That's what confuses me. If they were so powerful, why did they let the Holocaust happen? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know because I'm not part of it. It's like every conspiracy goes on without my being <laughs> a part of it. There were, that's actually true that there was like kind of a conspiracy. I've been in a department, <laughs> I won't say which, where there was this conspiracy playing out that I should have like figured out. I didn't. Like, Nobody told you. Know? you. You're, you're, yeah. you're an outsider. Totally oblivious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The outside looking in. All right. Join us next time on Very Bad Wizard.